Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 102. How's everybody doing today? By everybody, you mean me. By everybody, I mean you, Talas. Hi, Talas. How are you doing today? Doing good. Good to hear it. I'm your host, Klaus Nightbringer. Um, If you were tuning in for the pre-show, you heard those lovely tones of one Ser Timono. However, he decided that real life was more important than a podcast, so he is going to be taking care of that. Anyway, we hope he has a good time, and uh, we will catch him on the next episode, I'm sure. If he misses that one, then there's going to be some trouble. Oh, yeah. He'll be back, though. You know, you know what the next one is, right? I want to say we are celebrating yet another anniversary. Yeah. We've had, like, three of it a row. Yep. So now we're going to be having our fourth anniversary. Four years of Phoenix on Radio. We'll be celebrating that on September 7th. So make sure to put that one on your calendar. Four years of Phoenix Sound Radio. We just hit our four-year Twitterversary not too long ago. Yep, we just hit and episode 100. Episode, yeah, we just hit episode 100. Like, we've got a lot going on right now. Yeah, well, it, it kind of makes sense if you, if you think about it, being we only do 26 episodes a year. That is true. So those 50, 100, 150, those all kind of come close to around our anniversary time. So, I mean, it just. I was, know for a fact that you're not taking our fun show about video games and making it about math. Making about what? Math? No, oh. No math. Sorry. No math. At first, you, you cut it a little bit. I was like, I'm not making it about Max. I don't like Max. No. They look pretty, no. but they're overpriced. Yeah, mine was like 1100 bucks. It wasn't too bad. That's still too much. Anyway, um, so what have you been up to for the since the last episode? So much phantasmagoria grinding i have gotten remarkably good at some of the optional dungeons post 80 specifically uh academia uh has been really really fun uh we've gotten some sub 16 minute runs in there um using lb1 on mobs and just all kinds of weird stuff uh trying to get through the phantasmagoria grind because a lot of my fc mates are trying to get all their gear to 460 for their preferred classes so that when 5.1 comes out in October, we're all set up and we're ready to go for the next batch of gear, the next set of Eden, etc., etc. Well, that won't be till 5.2. Is it 5.2 that we get the next set of Eden? 5.1 will be giving us uh, a Yorha. Uh, that's true. And that's also going to be 460 gear. Well, we still all wanted to be done and ready to go. It, it opens up the ability to get 470 gear for those who don't do a Savage. Uh, that's true. And because we have so many of us doing it, it's not too hard to be like, okay, who needs a belt? Let's go do a Eden, and you get the belt, and then yeah. you're done. Like It's been really nice for No, it, it, I mean, in the way that, that SE changed the, uh, the drops to put eight in instead of four, that's been a lifesaver. There's nothing quite as heartbreaking... As when you go in, you do it, you have like an LB3 healer, like last second save, you get the Hail Mary hot potato reses between the Red Mage, the Summoner, and whatever, and you finally get everything ready to go. You get there and five of the pieces hit the ground because nobody needs chest or legs or accessories at this point. 
that's heartbreaking because it's so much work and you know that only three out of eight people are leaving with anything it is what it is not much you can do about it i'm still just happy that we're able to pick and choose our gear as opposed to trying to remember which gear spring rod lens piece we need for whatever yes definitely god such an easy fix that made it's the quality of life so much better but you know what's an even easier way to get that tome grind taken care of what what the hunt train oh god no why it's not that bad actually if if you can get on a hunt train you can cap out tomes in about two hours I suppose that's true. I only did one one time, and I did it on like a Monday afternoon. But just because I yeah. knew I needed to finish it up before. We- but you do have to be quick. The hunt train stops for no man. So. No man, no woman, no lalafell. Yep, no potato. But yeah, it's that's how I actually I've been doing it. Just because I haven't felt like running a ton of dungeons. I'm not saying that's ideal, folks. It's how a number of people choose to do it. But there, there are options, which is great. I mean, that's a, a nice thing that Square Enix has given us in this game is a multitude of ways to play it so we can get what we want out of it. Do and you want to do hardcore endgame? Do you want to do casual endgame? Do you want to craft and gather? Do you just want to sit AFK in the gold saucer all day? Do you want to play mini games? Do you want to be the guy that reads every single fish entry because they're freaking hilarious? Go for it. You can do all of those things in this game. Yep. You don't have to be the one that's sitting here, you know, pining over every single piece of information about the Asians to figure out their next move. You're like, no, I just want to go gather like rocks and make cool metal gear. Do you want to sit on the beach watching fireworks doing a podcast? That is a thing (laughs) that you can do in this game. Yeah, because we're doing it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah we're, that's a little meta just a bit but uh, I want to thank everybody who's joining us tonight at twitch.tv slash phoenix radio and if you're uh, jo- listening to us on the podcast come join us sometime it's, it's a good time we do this every other Saturday night live at twitch.tv slash phoenix radio um, and I guess especially next week I, I, or next episode I encourage you to stop by I have a feeling there's going to be some giveaways oh they're totally yeah, and it's only going to be for the people watching live. So that tune is in. true. So tune in. All right. Um, anything else you've been up to? I mean, other than job changes and moving and traveling, but what else is mm-hmm. new? It's me. Yeah, y- your life is like in constant flux. Yep. I. Some people have things like home ownership or yep. you know relationships or pets or plants or bills, and I have none of those things. So I just kind of do whatever I want all the time. My only like grounding is I do a podcast. But in the last three episodes in a row, this one two weeks ago and four weeks ago, I have done all three of them from different locations, none of which have been my house. You are just a leaf floating on the wind. Watch me soar. Or you're like that that bag in that video. I'm the plastic bag that just flies all over the place. Yeah, it's so poetic. As far as what I've been up to, um, let's see. I finally got my Summoner Scholar to 80 yesterday. And we finished the last two roll quests and did the fifth one on stream as well. I mean, if you're interested in what all um, happens with that, you can go ahead and check out our VODs here on Twitch. Um 
interesting story. Uh, doesn't involve any fights, so just a lot of cutscenes and and traveling throughout the different lands. It's kind of a recap, and then a little information. So, I do still strongly recommend that you go through and level one of every role. The healer one is especially the best. I'm specifically leveling because I am the type of player that literally has one class at eighty, and I'm done. And that used to I'm, be me. I'm going through and actively leveling other roles specifically because I want to see those quests and I want to actively do them. And that's not a thing that you see in most MMOs. We've yeah. been picking up a lot of, uh, for whatever reason, Hyperion's been picking up a lot of Black Desert Online refugees. Uh, and they're coming in and they're getting kind of lost. And we're like, oh, no, no, there's a story. Here, have some gear. You're super undergeared as a healer in Orem Vale. Oh, my God. Like, you know, we're trying to like we're really supportive here and it's been really fun to be like no 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 try a class that's something that you think you'll dislike you might be surprised yeah i mean tanking is very different in this game than than other games um like i said yeah no kidding this the fact that gunbreaker was my second 80 that was a little shocking that is because you are primarily a dps player yeah i mean my, my in the for the most part my uh main jobs have been well i i main barred and will always main barred it's just a, a fun mobile um class that, that i just have a good good time playing um but i found that you know secondarying a tank you know for just those go-to moments when you want to do, do something with people and you need a tank it's nice to have one to pull out and knowing mm -hmm. how to tank it's one of those other things where knowing how all the rules work to some extent is extremely beneficial to everybody. I'm leveling healer. I'm, I'm not great as healer. You know, I'm controller based. I don't think fast. I can't I'm see flashy very super well. <laughs> I only leveled healer because I needed to know what their limitations and capabilities were as a tank. Mm -hmm. So I know what I can push and what I shouldn't. Oh, absolutely. And as a, DP and as a DPS, you go, okay, I'm going to level bard or machinist. And then I'm also going to level Dancer, not because I necessarily want a ranged DPS, but because I need to know what those skills look like as a Samurai, as a Dragoon, so that I know what that card means, what that symbol means, what that dance means to give me that boost. Oh, I just wanted to keep my crown. That too. <laughs> <laughs> um, aside from that, um, and, and running the uh, hunt train for Tomes, I also was a guest on Etherite Radio earlier today. Uh, they celebrated 10 years of, of podcasting. I know that seems really weird that uh, there's a podcast that's been out for 10 years about it's Final weird. Fantasy fourteen. Especially you, since, I mean, what was the hmm. first year of 14? 2010? 2010, 2011? yep. They've been talking, yeah, they've been like talking uh, about fourteen since uh, Beta and Alpha. That's just, like, I look at us and MuseCast and She Heals I Tank. Yeah, and I we, go, we're still we are, the, we're still we're the like, youngins. We're the, you know, we're the, the old guard, but we're also still very young comparatively. We're the babies of the group. I mean, we're, I mean LBR had celebrated their 10th year before they uh, um, went up. They did that last year. Um, Etherite Radio did 10 years um, this year. Um, beyond that... The um, the only other ones that were would be older than us would be like Sequence Break, and they haven't done anything in a while. 
Sequence Break does stuff when they want to, not necessarily on a schedule like every other week or every week. I haven't seen anything come out of their their feed for a while, though. Eh, we should check on them. Hmm. But, um... But I mean, then a lot of the people that were in there, they went to form Gather Together, and then um, we started up, and then um, She Heals I Tank, you know, all around the same time frame. So, you know, we all started right around the, uh, been the, been the 2015, uh, early 2016 time frame. So. And as a result, it's interesting because we're all sort of hitting the same spot right now where it's like, okay, there's plenty of content. There's lots to do. We just have a new expansion. But like number of hosts, who's on, what we're talking about, where we're at in lore discussion. Yeah, we all are hitting sort of the same note. I don't know. I think we're, we're all very different. We're all very unique podcasts. It's one thing that we oh, kind of absolutely. It's one thing we kind of talked about, you know, because the, the, the theme of, of the show for Etherite Radio was uh, content creation. You know, so we talked about, you know, my experience in the last four years and they talked about, you know, what they've been doing, how they've been doing it, you know, for the last 10 and, and their evolution. Um, we brought up some points, you know, that a lot of the shows, while they may seem to be the same thing, we're all about Final Fantasy or Final Fantasy 14, but we all cover different t- topics of it or, or we, we cover it in a different way or, um, you know, like um, gathered together. They cover a lot of the news and blog posts and uh they, they they really get into the discussion about the game as well as talk about you know their interactions within the game um she heals i tank is very similar in that aspect um with occasionally they talk about a few different topics uh, maelstrom radio when they were doing final fantasy 14 stuff you know they would uh they kind of did their own thing is Maelstrom still doing FF14 stuff? Um, I believe they were going to switch over to a more of a general gaming podcast. Ah, uh, fair enough. So, and then we've also got groups like, uh, and then there's Moogle Go Round, which they, yeah, Paul and Chili are just they're a couple wild cards. They they really talk about Final Fantasy fourteen. <laughs> you know, sometimes that's how you you get. I've downloaded special episodes of podcasts that were supposed to be about like Power Rangers or whatever, and it's like a forty five minute discussion about Beyblade, and I'm just like, all right, sure, whatever. That's what podcasting is, I guess. It it, it happens. And then there's us, you know, while we do talk about the news and we talk about topics and, and things like that, we also try and get into some of the, the world building. You know, there, there aren't a lot of podcasts that get into lore on a regular basis. Granted, yeah, we haven't talked lore in a while because we've been busy with uh, Shadowbringers. But just th- th- all that means is we're going to have a lot of ammo to, to be able to um, pump out and uh, give you guys these amazing segments in the near future. Whether whether or not Sarah knows this is a different uh, whole <laughs> Sarah thing, and but... I have been talking. We got some stuff for you guys. No, I know. And Ian's totally got it. It's all about the different host personalities that attract people. Yep. There's a lot. Pete, Navi, Remix, Emmy, Yumi, Chili, Paul. Yep. Like, didn't, yeah, I didn't even dude. get into uh, Musecast. You know, with, with their <laughs> discussion. So many people. You know, they they deal with um, you know lore in 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 the way that it uh, relates to um, role playing. They, As they need to know, like, oh, hey, this particular language is the basis for whatever. Like, I think Ronso is based on, like, a Balkan language of some variety. It's like, that's really cool. Do you need to know that as a player? Not really. Do you need to know it as a role player? Absolutely you do. It's super, super crazy to listen and learn. from. Yeah. So, I mean, you, you're, you're learning about the world 
for for a different purpose. So it, like I said, each one of these shows really, you know, highlights the strengths of the people doing it. And a lot of times they will, I mean, at least what I try to do is I try to bring in people like Ian, like Talas, like Sarah, who, who know things that I don't. So they can cover those, my weaknesses, and we can have a nice, well-rounded um, product for you guys. And I, I hope that's been coming through. But then there's Chili, because well, all Chili does is complain and talk about sweets and, and, and pepper. and Yeah, he's, he's, he's Chili. And how much it costs to take a train from where he's at to London. And, and, and getting a cheeky Nando's. Cheeky Nando's. <laughs> and, and yes, Chili does give all the sweetest giveaways out. Because so, Chili is, is, is the best. Anyway, we kind of uh, got off topic there a little bit, but I guess it, it, it had a little bit to do with, you know, you know the uh, episode I was on with uh, Etherite Radio. I strongly recommend you go check that out. Um, you can either catch it on their uh, um, uh, video on demand out at uh, twitch.tv slash gamerscape, or if, if you follow them out on iTunes or uh, Google Podcasts or any of the podcatchers, um, they should be having that up probably within the next few days. So I, I do recommend go check that out it was a really good discussion i I hope you guys enjoy it as much as i did um, being a part of it all right if there's nothing else that we need to talk about there let's go ahead and jump into some of that gaming community news uh we have some super amazing news we finally got a release date for the remake for a remaster for final fantasy 8 well, at least for the PS4 release. Uh, they have not released a, a date for Steam, Switch, or Xbox. But September 3rd, uh, Final Fantasy VIII Remaster will be coming out for the PS4. Uh, one other thing that came out of this was there was actually eight minutes of gameplay um, that was posted out on the internet earlier. And I'm going to link that to you guys if you want to check that out at a later date. Or if you're listening to this on the podcast, it will be in the show notes as well. Did it not paste? Come on. I- I can't see them withholding the Steam Switch and Xbox One uh, release date for too much longer. You never... It, I've seen them you know, hold back the, the release dates for a couple of months. That would be really disappointing. I mean, it took a while for it to come out on a couple of different platforms. Like They just got it on Xbox and Switch. Well, we've had it on, on PS4 and PC for quite a while. Yeah, that's true. Well... Hopefully it's not too long of a wait for those uh, those players that don't have a PlayStation. Yeah, and as Chili says in the chat, you do get a free theme uh, for your PS4 for pre-ordering the game. So if you don't already own it about ten other times, and you want to get on, you know, <laughs> get the the updated texture packs as well as they added a few other features that are they they've been putting into a lot of the remasters. Go ahead and check it out. And if you need to play on PC or another console, it shouldn't be too terribly long, a month or two maybe. But hang tight, we got you. Please look forward to it. Always. Uh, so let's talk about the next bit. Quick note. I'm a, I was quick a, next bit. Go, sorry. Transition to it though. Uh, why are we not in the house? Why aren't we in the house? Um, because we we have the last couple of days of the Moonfire Fair event going on. Good call. Thank you. And when does that end? I was gonna say that ends on Monday at I believe about. Uh, 5 a.m. Pacific time, somewhere in that time frame. 
Everybody get over here and do jumping puzzles and catch some fish. Finish off, get all of your glamour, because Monday starts the next super awesome event. Speaking of uh, anniversaries and such, The Rising uh, starts uh, October, or October, August 26th and runs through <laughs> September 17th. Starts um, Monday. I, can you believe we've been playing Realm Reborn for six years? It's insane. I mean, it's, you know, we've been doing the podcast for four, but it's like, that's okay every two weeks. I, what's the longest you've gone without logging in? A week, two, a month, maybe? A day. Right. For six years? Yeah. I, I, I've been living in Eorzea. It's no, crazy. No, I, I've been, I, there's been a, maybe a weekend that I didn't log in. But otherwise, I mean, I have a laptop I can play the game on. I will bring it with me and I will log in and do my dailies every day i mean i didn't do it when i was like traveling but at one point i logged in at eorzea cafe just because i thought it would be funny but, like i couldn't play anything like we had to leave yeah i mean i brought my laptop to vegas and we went to fan fest and we played there yeah we played in vegas in the halls of the uh the, the paris hotel while waiting in line to get uh, tickets to the merch line that sounds right oh for merch line ex that's right yeah. Yes. Um, let's see. I bring my laptop up with me when I go visit family and I play there. When I go, when I, I had to go to a work thing um, this, this last Sunday, so I had an overnight stay and I brought my laptop then and I played at the hotel. Yeah. I play this game a lot. And now we're celebrating six years with The Rising. Yes. Insane. But I love the uh, the event, the uh, prizes we get this year. We get a, uh, a new frontier um, themed um, Ishtola minion, basically her uh, outfit from the first. And we also her, get her black mage. So, no, she's a witch. That's right. She yeah. is a witch. Black mage. Same. She's a witch. Burn her. Build a bridge out of the very small rocks. A duck! We also get, in addition to the <laughs> wind-up Ishtola, good lord. You can't stop me uh, when it comes to pythonisms. No, not at all. Uh, we're actually getting some cool housing items. We're getting six of them. They're all wall-mounted, and it's all different pieces of art from within the game. Mm -hmm. it, well, it's, it's, it's a lot of the, the, the posters from like Sh Sh um, Stormblood and things like that. There's a Stormblood one. There's the Requiem for Heroes one that's... Uh, there's all kinds of super gorgeous ones. So check out the link that... Are you putting it in chat or am I? I already put it in chat. Perfect. Check out the link if you want to see those images or in the show notes. Or uh, just log in on Monday and come do the event with us because it's going to be awesome to celebrate. Yeah. If I read it correctly, it's also going to be out here at Costa. Unless it was a misprint, but... So I want to nice. say... Yeah. I mean, it's... I think it is custom but yeah it's going to be really fun to see what's going on after six years it's also nice that after six years we know like oh hey it's october i think the event is going to start here or oh it's december the event's going to start here we kind of know where to go now as opposed to just where does the event start it's like well is it july yeah okay it's an old don't worry about it it's not that hard to find yeah and, and they're really good about these um 
you know, the information that they put out about the events. So I'm glad that the the information is easier to find now, because I remember when the game first came out and you were like, well, how does how do you find anything? And it was like the old days of Eleven, where you straight up had to talk to people because somebody talked to a random NPC and then went somewhere and died. And so they grabbed six other people and they went in and they figured out a thing and then all of them told other people and eventually you figured out what the hell this quest was. Oh, that but was the worst. Like, oh my god, it was super fun at the end, but god, the prog- the progression was hell. But now we just go, hey, where's the event? Oh, it's in Costa del Sol. Okay, cool. And you yeah. just teleport there and you roll into it. The only thing that I don't like about this now is, is the events are a little bit too simple. It, yeah! You, you can do them in like a few minutes. That's my only issue behind it. Um, I understand that it, it's tough to create an event with a lot of things to do. Um, I, I think the best Moonfire Fair event we had, you know, aside from this one of the jumping puzzle, was the one where we had to go out into um, Lenosha and uh, extinguish bombs. That was a lot of fun. That was one of the first was- Moonfire Fair events, I think, that we had. I like the fact that our that our events are usually about two years, where it's like, hey, oh, was it the Posing Rangers came back for a second year, and then they're just sort of gone. Uh, the Songbirds were in for a year. They came back and did a little reprisal thing, and then they're kind of gone. Like, they, they keep updating the events, but there's still lots of callbacks for us old players that are going to recognize the thing from the summer of 2014. Yeah. I do also wish they would give us something that had a little bit more server interaction. Do you remember the little ladies day event where we had to do so many quests and if we hit a certain point our our server would advance the the quest line? That was super bomb. I loved that. I wish that was reasonable to do consistent. Yeah. I mean, I, but, I it's it's tougher to do that, I guess, but it, it, I thought that the 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 thought behind those events was a lot more um well well um put out there. But we also have servers like, okay, let's look at Aether. Like, they're going to slam through this event in like four hours. You know, and then there's some of the less popular, looking at you, Ultros, servers that you're going to be like, they've been here for days. Dude, the, to try to finish well, maybe it. at one point, but now all of the NA servers are are congested or you full. Just cut out. You just cut out there. Oh, I said all of the, uh, all the uh, NA servers are congested or f- at least full. That is very true. We did... Man, Hyperion went from like you couldn't make a character here, and then it to went to favor. Preferred. Yeah, yeah, and then it was normal, and then it was full again, and I think we're back to normal. No, we're. St- I thought. I thought. I saw we were still congested today. Uh, I could, I could I be mean, wrong. I, I don't have my HUD up, so I can't check right now. Fair enough. I know I had to wait in queue to get in. I mean, it was seventeen yeah, people. All, not seventeen every day. Every time I sign in, it's it's seventeen to thirty people. Which is actually fine. I'm kind of okay with that. It's when it's hitting the 1,000, 1,500, 2,000 mark that I'm just like, oh, screw this. I downloaded Persona 5 last week. I'm out. Like, I'm just going to go play something else for an hour. So, granted, the only time we get that was uh, launch day. Um, or launch you- day, Tuesdays. Tuesdays are horrendous. Well, fortunately, I work most Tuesdays, so. Yeah. So... All right. So also coming up next week, uh, if you're going to be in the Seattle area, uh, PAX West is August 30th through September 2nd. Square Enix does have a booth in the Exhibitors Hall. Um, it's going to be on the 
fourth floor where pretty much all everybody is. Um, they also have an off-site event where you can fight Titania. The victor, just like most of the events, when you fight, you win, you get an I beat whatever uh, t-shirt. A couple years ago, it was Titan. Some of us have the Shiva shirts. This one is Titania. Yeah, they, they only get Titania, unlike in Gamescom this past week, where they had Titania and Innocence. I'm not sure why they're only doing the one. Uh, I did find out from a friend of mine that, and I was able to confirm the information later, that you only get one shirt no matter what. So if you run through it with the randos in line and get your shirt, and then your FC shows up the next day, and they want to run it with you, you can do it. You're not getting a second shirt, though. But they will get a shirt. But the other people that haven't gotten a shirt yet can't. Yeah. Unless you're, you're someone like Fusion, and then you just go up to Aya and say, hey, I need some shirts. Yeah, Fusion's probably just going to go snag a few. I've actually got somebody that doesn't play 14, but is willing to uh, stand back and heave Black Mage spells and hope for the best to try to get me a shirt since I can't go to PAX this Aww. I was kind of hoping that you would go get me one. <laughs> no, no. It's, I'm the type of... I've, I've got so many friends from Nintendo that are going like, hey, man, did you want a shirt? And I'm like, yes, I do. I've said yes to all of them. So if you're an XL, I might have one for you. And I am. So that's perfect. Perfect. All right. And I will, I will trade you a Phoenix on Radio shirt for it. I still need to just straight up buy hmm. one. <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I would, I would send you a credit for one or something on Redbubble figure it out so also from gamescom we got a couple of other things yep i, I linked the uh the gameplay for final fantasy 8 not to be outdone though there was actually a video of final fantasy 7 remake gameplay out on the floor they had a, a full 16 minutes of, of uh, demo gameplay out there um it's in french so uh, eh, whatever is it the freaking tank fight from the end of the reactor um, I didn't watch the entire thing, but it looked like it was in the reactor, yeah. Okay, cool. Because, yeah, they showed that tank fight during, I believe it was E3, and that was, I mean, it's sick. It looks really cool. But, like, guys, you, you gotta continue generating buzz, or you can't give us one thing for months that didn't work. You need to keep... You know, it's possible. You know what they should have done? You know, the fact that they have Final Fantasy VIII Remake coming out? If you pre-order that, they should give you a downloadable code to get the demo for seven. That would, dude, your sales for eight would fly through the roof. How many copies of Final Fantasy Type Zero were sold because it came with a demo for Final Fantasy Fifteen? At least one, the one I own. You add a couple zeros to that. I know. Like, honestly, have you I, played Type Zero? Holy shit, that game is bad. It's horrible. Like, <laughs> so many people bought it for that fifteen. Yeah. Well, I also bought it because it was a Final Fantasy. It's the same with World of Final Fantasy. I bought that, too. But, um, I mean, that's a better game than Type-0, but it's still not one that I can get into as much. It's cute, no, but... I love World. I love I will World, get but I also like Monster Capture. I, I do plan on getting more into it again, you know, as maybe we get to a more um, point with, with less going on in, in 14, I'll be able to kind of get back into the retro games, because I still have to finish 4. You know, I, I put, Very true. put Throwback Thursday on hold because basically I'm doing uh, trivia on Thursdays now. Trivia and karaoke, so. Gotcha. And, yeah. well, we've been kicking ass at trivia, so can't, I can't Dude, complain keep there. keep that up. Sorry, what? Keep that, 
keep that up. Trivia is fun. Oh, it's a blast. I mean, and, and it's helping to finance my beer. You know, we, perfect. We, we we get uh, um, there's three to four of us on the team, and when we win, we get a gift card to the brewery. It's held at a brewery, by the way. And, oh no! Uh, what a horrible fate that has befallen. Yes, and we we take turns taking the gift card home. So, seems legit. It's part of the reason why I'm drinking a peach cream ale right now. It's delicious, by the way. Anyway, super jealous. <laughs> um, the last bit that I want to talk about that's for uh, Gamescom and 14 related is there was a uh, lore question and answer uh, panel with uh, Yoshida and Bonri Oda. And we're going to go through that a little bit right now. We're going to link that into chat as soon as I can get it copied and pasted here. So if you guys want to click on that and join us as we as we go through these questions, it's a very rough translation. So forgive us, um, forgive the person who translated it. They did their best, um, but uh, there's some there are some uh, interesting questions here. Um, the one first one I want to jump into is the second question. We were talking about this before the show, uh, asking about the Crystal Exarch and did he stop aging physically when he merged with the Crystal Tower? Um, and Oda's, Oda's response was um, anyone who completed the main scenario of Shadowbringers must have seen his face without his hood. Yoshi P says because he is there to save the world and to do that the feat he has to live longer. That's why he fused himself to be the uh, part of the Crystal Tower <laughs> and at the moment he stopped his growth and he can't age anymore so that kind of trait tells how big this decision he made was. No punctuation. Just one giant ass sentence. <laughs> Well, when you tra- when it's machine translated, probably. Oh, a lot of this is yeah, a lot of this is Google translated. You could tell, but like, but ba- it's kind of interesting to give us answers, but also not give us full answers because they know there's still more story. Yeah. Well, they confirmed that he had to merge with the tower in order to to um, accomplish his plan. Um, it, it it and it it did uh, stop him from aging, so he could potentially live as long as the crystal tower is in existence theoretically which is interesting because we've seen like when he leaves the tower for extended periods of time he becomes physically weak yep so the tower isn't necessarily like a battery for him that he has to be plugged into he can still function without it he just can't function as well for as well he starts you know well actually the battery aspect is is very apt in that case He's like he's like a laptop with a battery. You take him away, he can run for a while, but he starts to slow down as soon as the ba- as the he battery to gets slow down. And, so and so the yeah. more he exerts, the more he exerts, the less he has. Yep. It's and that's why he's like, oh, I can't, I can't, I can't. And then later in the story, he's like, I must. And then you see him go do some cool thing. You're like, dude, why don't you come with me all the time? And then he just gets dismantled. And you're like, oh, that's why. Okay, yep. never mind. So you go back. You sit over there. We got you. Yep. Uh, let's see. There was the bit, um, the next question actually, talking about cleverly hidden hints in game about the identity of our original soul, uh, beyond that initial Hythelodius conversation, and the moment Emmett Selk sees us for the first time, um, that we should be looking for. Um, love seeing the community investigate this lore together. Um, and if I, I may read this, Oda says, um, there may be some hints hidden here and there, so I won't, but I won't be able to say anything more at this point. And if you want to talk, read Yoshida's. Yeah, Yoshi P says, During the journey in the Stormblood scenario, the hints are 
here and there before Shadowbringers as well. But if you say anything about that, it would be taken away from everyone. So I invite you to speculate and debate and find out for yourselves. One thing I would like to point out is that we see theories online saying the Warrior of Light may be Hythlodius, but that's not the case. So we're not Hythlodius, but I think there's somebody else I think we are. And we're not going to talk about that quite yet. We may, be, we may discuss that as we get into the storyline discussion in a little bit. Um, but we'll... Uh, we might touch on that as we get there. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of really good questions that got asked. Uh, they asked a question about General Ranjit. Uh, he had vastly more strength than his soldiers, as any good general should have, but, didn't, but did Ranjit get extra strength from the Sin Eaters in any way, or was it just his own? Yoshi P says that's a hot topic the community is discussing. Oda responds with, he has a unique fighting style that makes him empowered by his serpent dragon but he learned it by his intense training by himself. He is in the area outside Nordbrandt, which is already annihilated by the Flood of Light. He is of descent from a clan that has this special sort of martial arts. That's where his roots are, and also his naming convention is not following any other conventional naming. So he's from a clan or a people that um, they were destroyed. They were outside of Nordbrandt. And he's like the last survivor of that. And he, it, it's almost, it's very similar to the, the whole um, um, monk storyline, if you think about it. The, uh, the actual, like, monk job line between 30 and, well, 30 and 60, but mm-hmm. 30 and max level 2, where you get to see, like, I am a monk from this clan, I'm the last of my kind, I start meeting others, and then that's where the story expands. So is Ranjit also a martial artist similar to, I'm spacing on the character's name, but it's like, is he kind of in a similar vein of I'm the last one of my kind. That's why I'm the only one with this power. And he's just, his training and his dragon allow him special access to ether. I'm guessing. And so his attacks are channeled with aether. Full of aether. Oh, let's see. What other ones do we have here? Did Asians really look the way that we see them in Emic Selk's Illusion, or is he making them look different for dramatic effect? Um, Oda says, uh, except for the fact that they look like glowing ghosts or phantoms, it was tradition to wear that outfit of a robe and a mask. The reason why Asians wearing that robe and mask is a reminiscence of this ancient tradition. So when we see Asians in their masks and, and robes, that's very similar to what they would wear on a daily basis in Amarat. And if you want to do the Yoshi's. Because it was, the, uh, Yoshi's is huge. Yep. Um, I'm also, heads up, we're going to, I'm going to start as I'm reading through these, I'm going to edit them a little bit in my brain. Cause that's oh what I was God, trying to do too. A mess. Yeah. The grammar is a mess. Mm-hmm. Um, so the confusion within the communities, we don't call the entirety of ancient people Asian. So the citizens in Amrat aren't Asians, but the illusions of ancient people. Uh, one thing for sure is the ancient people like we see in Amrat do wear the robe and mask. If you're looking at those people in Amrat, they don't have distinct features because they're blurry and they look like aliens. That's not the case. That is not correct. Grammar attack. Of course, the actual people who lived in the ancient world had distinct facial features as well. They were all different. The reason why they look the same in the game is to make them look like the same people as a visual sort of presentation. He was lazy. Yeah, it's one of those, like, all the extras have to look the same because we needed to make one animation for everybody that you're going to see. Yeah, the devs wanted to make it simple. 
And realistically, what would the uniqueness have really done? Uh, I've, I've looked at Mordona for how many hours and hours and hours, and there's unique NPCs everywhere. I could not tell you what a single one of them looks like, mm-hmm. honestly. <laughs> like, so, yeah. Well, I mean, the easy method, totally fine. But I mean, in real is realistically though, the the fact that it's just a reminiscent, it's it's something pulled from Emmett Selk's memories. You know, I'm sure he doesn't remember the facial features of every single person who lived in Amarat or that he put into this um, location. So I mean, it does make sense that he's going to see kind of a a glazed over version of people. Because he thought, yep. he thought of himself as very high and mighty. I'm sure. So he probably just saw everybody looked the same anyway. He seemed like that kind of guy. He was a dick. Anyway, um, so before we dig into too many more questions, we actually, if you have a question that you saw that you wanted us to touch base on, uh, let us know in chat or tweet at us at uh, PHXDN Radio on Twitter. But I think we should probably start moving on towards that last third section of the Shadowbringer spoilers. Uh, We got a little bit of time. We've only been uh, podcasting for about 40 minutes. Really? I thought we've been on longer than that. Well, we've been we've been live for about an hour, but we've only been doing this for about forty minutes. So, oh, fine. <laughs> You're ju- you just you just want to get out of here, don't you? No, I don't. I want to talk about the ending of Shadowbringers uh, too. <laughs> that, that makes sense too. Um, so I'm just wait, 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 wait. There is one question. Okay. That I know you and I have talked about off air. Was it's it twelve? About Gaius? Uh, no, fifteen. 15. Oh, yeah. Will we ever learn who or what Sabik is? And that is top secret. The one thing I can tell you here is that the power is tied to the next storyline. Maybe or maybe not. Here's my favorite question. Go back to question 10. Can we please learn the true name of Lahabria? Finding out Emic Selk's true name was absolutely awesome and a great reveal, so it'd be fantastic if we could figure out who Lahabria was, Yoshi. Next! Next! <laughs> Yoshi P was just absolutely not going to be arsed to answer that one. If, at if you all. could see me right now, I'd be going big X across my face. Nope. Uh uh-uh. uh. Denied. That one was hilarious. Oh, that was one of my favorite answers that I've ever seen from that man. Uh, there's a lot of different little bits about you know naming conventions and uh, things about the different um, races. Um, are there any plans for Encyclopedia Eorzea three? Uh, would you like to have one? So you want the new encyclopedia? Yes, everybody says, and they're gonna pass that on to the publishing department. Um, so there's but a- the. The creating the encyclopedia is such tough work, and I don't get any revenue. Aww. Which is like, okay, first of all, I get that merch versus you know, sales might be a little bit different, but come on, guys. Like, they had to write all this lore for the game. Like, hook them up with a little bit from that book. I, I really think... It's, I don't think that uh, Oda and... Uh, um koji are listed as authors they might not be listed as authors but you know as the original penners of some of that lore having it all combined into one thing that's going to be someone yeah because i think this writing i mean the the encyclopedia Eorzea is considered a um 
is considered merchandise gaming merchandise not a book i think that's where the, where the difference decision does the does anybody have an encyclopedia eorzea that they can check does it have an isbn give me a second I'm curious because if it has an ISBN, then it is technically a book, but not having one means that it's a different uh, qualification of book. Yeah, that's a. Could be I mean, where is Sarah when you need him? Damn it. Yeah, where's the librarian? That would be really nice. Um, ISBNs are usually at the beginning of the book, aren't they? They're inside your uh, your copyright page. I know this makes for stunning radio right now. But Sorry, like, I'm, I'm digging through here? this. I do not... It's all good. Okay, I'm looking at the, the last page has... Um, it does start to give uh, some credits on stuff. Yeah, Oda is listed as a writer um, and all that, but there is no ISBN number. So that means it's not technically a book. It is actually considered merch. It would be no different than a CD insert or an art book that is included with something. So because of that, they do not have to consider them the, the author and they do not have to get uh, um, their publishing rights. Boo. If I understand how that all works correctly, Sarah would have to be the one to fully answer that. But no, I don't do not see an ISBN number on this anywhere. Phenomenal. All right. Well, we will have to look into that. I, I say that they should make the Encyclopedia Orzia 3 give it an ISBN number, make it a book. Give Oda and Koji some uh, some extra revenue for that. For all their hard work that they put into this. But I suppose in the end, Square Enix owns it. Yeah, and at some level, like if the money's coming in, it's going to go somewhere. Just some of it gets funneled to the 7 remake, and some of it gets funneled to... I know. Give him servers up for the look, fifteen here's multiplayer. What you, I figured it out. Here's what you do: you look at the sales of the books, you give them a bonus. Ooh, perfect. Next. Bonuses, yeah. Next. <laughs> bonuses, bonuses are the secret business way of paying your staff without pissing off everybody in HR. All right. If there's anything else that you guys want to discuss within that uh, um, Q and A. Uh, lore thread like i said go like ian said earlier go ahead and uh, um, email us or uh, tweet at us at phxdn radio let us know we, we will be more than happy to discuss that with you if you also if you want to jump into the uh, the discord channel and uh you know jump into the library i'm sure if you had a um request in there sarah would be more than happy to uh expound upon that and give you pages and pages and pages of answer because that's what he does yeah, having the librarian researcher friend is super interesting, and also sometimes you just want a yes or no answer, but that ain't happening around. But I mean, that's a, half the reason why why I I brought him in, because I wanted somebody who could dig deep into that. That's what research librarians are good at. I suppose move your cameras just to be safe. Oh, it is that time, isn't it? There we go. All right. Sarah, Sarah is also AFK. He's actually logged out nearby. <laughs> Did he actually log out? No, his uh, his character is just chilling. So how is he still in game? I'm not sure. Because oh, now he just disappeared. He was AFK for like the last like 20 minutes or something. Yeah, because like I said, we've been going for uh, 47 minutes now, and 
for people who care about that. He must have left shush, and he must have left himself logged in when he pieced out. Yeah, more than likely. Anyway, somebody wants to talk about the the rest of the the main storyline, so I suppose we should let that somebody have their uh, their way. Otherwise, if you have I'm other questions, if, before we jump into that, if you have any other questions be, beyond lore, anything at all, we're available uh, at uh, email, podcast at thefinksterradio.com, or like I said, at PHXDN Radio on Twitter. So, about that storyline. I believe when we last left off, we had just uh, beaten up a giant crybaby, and then he turned right. into a, a pretty boy, and we kicked his ass too. We kicked everyone's ass up there. It That's was what we amazing. Do. And then we decided to absorb his light aether. And just as everybody suspected was going to happen, we started to lose control of it. Because we can only hold so much, and we are already holding so many light wardens worth of aether at this point. Yeah, we had four light... Our Go ahead. Four plus, uh, four plus Fothry, right? Yeah, four plus. We had four, and then we just added this fifth one. And I mean, we already had issues after Raktika, and then Amarang. Yeah. So now we've been pushing it for a while. We have. So w- when we get to this fifth one, which is the most powerful of them all, because he had been controlling all of the Sin Eaters, um, we we can't take it, and we black out. And we come to, and um, the Exarch is there. And he's like, Ha ha, you've played into my trap. Or so he says. Basically, at that point, he, he's going to try and nope out of there with all of the uh, light energy and save everybody. He wants to you know, take the burden off of us, take it on himself, and take it deep into the Crystal Tower, never to be seen again. But, uh, and, it, and it's at that point, it's revealed that our beloved Exarch friend is none other than our friend from back in the Noah days, Grahatia. Dun, so, dun, dun. remembers the Crystal Tower 24-man storyline? Nobody, not surprised. Who remembers about a month and a half ago when in the game we got those little Moogle tombstones? And you could run back and do all of these different dungeons and you could do all these different raids and stuff and you could get bonus tombstones from them. If you look back at which ones were actually giving us those, every single one of them had story elements that tie into what's going on in Shadowbringers. So it was very, very cleverly disguised as a way to give you free shit when actually going through and watching those cutscenes one more time and seeing it all one more time was enough to remind us, oh, right. We know who this person is and where they came from, but that was five years ago in real lifetime. But now we get to see them. Oh shit, Granatia is the Crystal Exarch. I thought we trusted this guy. Didn't we leave him in the world of darkness? What's happening here? And that's when we start to. No, we never left him in the world of darkness. We left him in the tower. Did we leave him in the tower? Yes. Oh, we, we left, left him in the tower and we went to World of Darkness. Uh, no, we, we, he's, we, we closed up the rift to the World of Darkness and he stayed in the tower because he has the Allegan Eye. And he had to uh, make... Somebody had to be there to control it. Somebody had to be there because we killed uh, all the protectors that were already there. Yeah. That- See? I remember. 
That's why they sent us back is so we could watch <laughs> all those cutscenes again. And then um, basically, so so basically, he was kind of stuck in the tower for years, years and 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 years. They tell us what what all happened later on, so we're not going to get into that yet. But basically, so he wants to take all the light energy and put it, bring it back into the tower where it can be held and uh, kept at bay for for the rest of eternity. You know, that's what he wants to do. His whole plan was if we couldn't handle all the light ether, he was going to take it on himself uh, so to save us and to save everybody and, and, and get it away. But that's when Emmett Sell comes in and says, nope, that ain't happening, buddy. Shoots him in the back and knocks him out. And basically, Why is the solution in our fantasy world of magic and time travel, why is the solution a gun? Like, also... Dude, you're you're an elegant like sorcerer. Like, why are you here with a handgun? There had to be a better plan. He's an assy and not an elegant. What? Get it right. God. So much vocabulary. Well, Where's Sarah? He, he it's because he's so used to the Garlean way. That I actually will buy. <laughs> that I actually make sense. That's at least my take on it. If you guys want to fight me on it, prove me wrong. <laughs> Put my face on the meme. We'll, we'll go that route. Um, but with that, he then takes the Crystal Exarch and he says, Come find me when you're ready. And I'll tell you more. So, we end up trying to find him um and uh we don't know exactly where he went um but at that point we pass out and we don't uh we wake up in the end again go ahead you were saying we pass out a lot during this particular section of the game well we're we're imbued with so much light ether that it's it's overpowering our senses and it's tough to to even though we are Heidelin's chosen, you know, it, it's not something that, that we can easily deal with. So it, it's cool that they're showing that we're not um, impervious. You know, we're not, you know, immortal. We have our... We're not invincible. Yeah. We're powerful. There's a big difference. Very big difference. Um, but we wake up. Uh, we learn that Reen, now imbued with her power of uh, the Oracle of Light was able to use her power to temporarily slow down um, our conversion into a Light Warden. So, Reen, using Minfilia's power, pushed it back, kind of, you know, put it at, you know, staved it off for us temporarily, which gives us the ability to then get back out there and try and find Grahatia. And uh, basically, at that point, we, we come to the conclusion that the only place that he could go is somewhere, you know, in the deep dark. Um, because he did not... He, we, we know that Emmett Selk did not do well in the light. And because the... And I want to say that once we beat Vothri, the light came back. Yep. Because there was just so much light energy within us, the light all came back. So he went somewhere where it was dark again. And the only place that we could come up with that was that dark is below the sea. So, we're told of an ancient fae being 
that can uh, help us to uh, get down there. And that being just happens to be named Bismarck. It, it shares the name of my favorite restaurant. It's great. Also a, a, a giant whale in the, uh, um, the Sea of Clouds. Oh, yeah, that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it's kind of funny because this guy kind of looks like a whale, too. Except he's got a bunch it of does. rocks and trees growing on him. Which was super weird. It was kind of a shadow of the Colossus moment where I'm like, oh, I'm climbing on this thing. Oh, crap, it's alive. Like, it was, it was interesting to see because we're on the first and things are slightly different where um, the Hrothgar and our Ronso like, and whatnot, like all these little changes that aren't massive, but they're enough to really shift the world. And we get here and we go, oh, it's Bismarck. But is it, though? It's a fey and it's got landmass on its back as opposed to what we remember fighting in the Sea of Clouds on our little floating island with the chain cannons. Kind of like one of those um, those giant uh, turtles that they that they had in like uh, old. Um, you know what I'm trying to say that in, in, in old in ancient tales, it, there was like somebody talking about you know these turtles with land masses on their back that would like be, you know, be part of the world. I think it's ancient Greek stuff. Ancient Greek stuff. Also, the world is freaking round. It is not on the back of a turtle. Come at me. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> Nicknar, no, no, it was Cluedo the Windfish. Bismarck, no, no, the Windfish. <laughs> I, no, hey, I, I remember CT storyline, lol. Um, so we talk with Bismarck, you know, after um, consulting with um, a very angry Feol, because we never talked to her anymore. Why didn't you call me? <laughs> you get those vibes from her, too? That was like, dude... Do you remember the creepy, overly attached girlfriend meme that was running around about six years? Yeah, this is basically Feol. It, yeah, big time. Just, that just is what I was getting. Just put Feol's face on there, or the, or put the creepy girlfriend's face on Feol, and it's 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 basically the same. Yes. <laughs> anyway, um, so we 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 talk with Bismarck. Bismarck agrees to take us down into the depths. And uh, he uses his magic to create a giant air bubble at the bottom of the sea. So we are able to go down to the Tempest. This is that sixth area that was kept secret from everybody. Which was wild. Mm-hmm. Because I knew th- we knew there was going to be a sixth one just because of how the UI is built in the game. Mm-hmm. But they set it up in such a way that like, we really, truly did not know where or what we didn't have really a clue until this moment when it's like okay we're going underwater and then you get there and you're like okay cool is this an instant area and then you start looking around and there's aether currents and mobs and you're like oh crap i'm gonna have to spend a couple hours down here it was a super awesome way of unlocking that section yeah and i was thinking okay i must be getting close to the end of the game nope just kidding i want to say that i had another at that point seven hours of gameplay give or take yeah i mean it kind of depends on how much you wanted to grind and how other how distracted you got yeah but yeah six or seven so we we go down there um and we 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 end up finding the um i don't remember what they're called in the first but the sahagan um counterparts and um so we get down there and we uh discover that 
what we did to you know putting this giant uh, um, air bubble down there has actually negatively impacted their queen. And uh, we need to do what we're called the Ondo, right? Ondo, yes, thank the you. Ondo. Yeah, the Ondo cups. That's right. That where the was where the one um, etherite is. Thank you. I'm glad you remember something. I know. Me too. So we go down there and. Um, um, we, 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 there's a whole series of, uh, um, side quests down there. If you want to learn more about the Ando, but, um, you had to do a few of them in order to get all of the flying ether currents, but cause trust me, you need to get flying in this zone. You yeah, need it's really flying. hard, especially since the zone split into two very disparate zones, high and low, and it takes forever to fly from high to low and vice versa. But uh, so we, we uh, with the Ando's help, after coming to an, an accord with them, um, telling them we're going to try and help them, you know, get everything back to normal as soon as we can. Yeah, that's not happening for a while, according to the not game. Not for a long time. <laughs> not for a long ass time. Well, maybe in, in their game time, it won't be quite as bad, but. And I'm sure IRL time is a mess. Yeah, if, I'm sure if we actually go through the quest line, it will come up with some way to fix the queen's issue. So, okay, so Ian says, yeah, we take care of it. So anyway, um, we work with them. They lead us through the tempest, um, and they uh, tell us about this area that where the lights just all of a sudden turn back on, like somebody's home. And um, so they take it. They help us to get down there, and we come into this giant modern looking city i mean modern by our terms not by um game terms but by real life terms this looks like a bustling you know 50s 60s um metropolis with the design of their uh their buildings wouldn't you agree it was gorgeous and it was designed to be a way to show like hey yes you're in a place you didn't know existed but we've been like the crystallium is just crystal tower plus so like we kind of understood like where it was coming from and then as we went from place to place yeah we found the dwarves we know what their village looks like they're dwarves duh but as we got to this place we went okay when we think sahagen i'm thinking coral i'm thinking not the smartest of the beast tribes i'm not thinking <laughs> like postmodern amazing building structures that the Ondo are able to create in this space. Well, for, we learn where they come from. They're not from the Ondo. Right. They're not from them, but we don't know that quite yet. Yeah. There was like a whole one or two text boxes before we figured that out. So that <laughs> initial shock was interesting. But then we go, oh, these were brought here. Well, or, no, these were ruins that were a part of the, uh, the, the split. So... Oh, because of the, the split, so... Yep. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the city where, like, buildings got dropped into it. That no, that... Well, the, the city that we end up finding is um, basically... And we're getting ahead here, but that's Emmett Selk's um, power of imagination, so to speak. That's the one I'm thinking of. But there are actual ruined buildings on the top side that were... That came with as a part of the first when the the the, the source world split um and that and that's what they were saying those some of those were lighting up too and we, we determined that you know that the, they all match of a certain type 
and we're like, so we, we, we venture deeper and then we find this illusionary area um, made very to feel very real by Emmett Selk's creation magic. So with that, um, we end up finding all of these kind of, like we were talking about in the Q&A, all of these very generic looking beings with cloaks and masks. And we start talking with a few of them, and they're huge. They're, they're massive. And they all look at us as children. Even full-size Rogadin are seen as children. I can't imagine what a Lalafell is seen as. Because we're so much smaller, we're what, less than three feet tall? Some you're, of you're seen as maybe zygotes? If that. <laughs> you're a sperm. If that. Oh no, I don't want to live in a bag. <laughs> Sorry, I'm pouring myself to more beer. Totally fair, but I don't want it but then I have to say I live in a sack and nobody needs that. Womp womp. Well, anyway, you, you now li- the chat's you, dead. You live out of a sack. But up up but up up dicks. Penis. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway. So the beer is officially kicked in for Klaus Nightmare, no. if anybody was curious. <laughs> it is, it is uh, well established that Lollafell are officially seen as Popotos. Thank you, Nick Nar. Seen. Thanks, Nick Nar. We appreciate the, the call in. Okay, anyway. So we get down to Amarat, and we discover that it's been pre-programmed that, our, that we're um, expected. It's pre you know, we are, you know, welcomed by an uh, artificial intelligence, so to speak, like a computer program um, to, you know, we're brought down an elevator. We are told to go to the uh, administration building and get permits to get access to um, the academic areas. And we learn this whole big story about what happened on the original world. And it is, you know, if you think about it, it's very tragic what they ended up doing. This race um, that we call Asians, they're not actually all this, that. There, there was a council of 14. They were the Asians that we know of now. But everybody else were just normal people who lived their day-to-day lives. They had amazing powers of, of creation magic. Everybody had it. Everybody could do this which is really kind of neat that they could just use their magic to create everyday things, clothes, food, uh, tools, and, and they live their lives. They, they built this civilization as with, with this power. And I honestly don't remember exactly what, what caused it, but uh, no, there was a, a foretelling of this giant calamity, this, this beast that was going to come and destroy everything they held dear. It was destroying the world. The, the areas of the world were just imploding from the magics, I think, is what was happening, wasn't it? Yes, it was just the magic was overloaded because they were using so much of it. So, to it, do so it's Final Fantasy every- VII all over again. They were, they were digging too much into the, to the, the, the life stream of the planet and killing it. Stop using the life stream to do mundane things. Actually, now that I think about it, that does kind of make sense. Every, every fucking Final Fantasy game does that. In some way, shape, or form. 
We're going to use the planet to do a thing. What? Uh, go to the moon? Uh, rip all of the elements out and use it to create a time portal so that I live forever? Uh, make run pow- school, apparently? M- make uh, m- power plants out of it. Make a power plant so we can ride motorcycles around it. Oh, Square Enix does not care. They will make any Final Fantasy about damn near any hashtag Chocobros. As as long as it involves uh, taking power from the uh, life from the planet. So anyway, the the planet was imploding on itself to either pr- try and protect itself or just because it was so um, damaged. Um, they end up um, coming up with this plan. To use their uh, um, summoning or their their creation magic to um, basically bring about a being that will stop the calamities from happening and uh, save their world, and they end up summoning Zodiac. But in order to do that, it required a sacrifice of half the population. And the snap happens. Yeah, basically Thanos. So so uh, Zodiac is Thanos confirmed. Honestly, for anybody that like doesn't somehow Just doesn't me. know Marvel Universe, like the snap has now become ubiquitous with kill half of everything. Like it's kind of amazing how we've turned that into. It's not quite like, on like, that level. I mean, we could if in its simplest form, yes. But if you think a little bit more in depth about it, what ends up happening is the power required by Zodiac to, to uh, forestall this uh, this. Uh, calamity basically takes you know the the life energies of half the population it's it's almost if you think about it it's equal exchange almost it's full metal alchemist man that is a freaking great show (laughs) i mean you you see a lot of these similar themes popping up and a whole bunch of different things in pop culture especially from japan i wonder why it's like Let's There's go a find whole out. bunch of stories. Yeah, let's go find out <laughs> in our Final Fantasy game. Yes. Um, so, basically that happened, but in order to keep that up, Zodiac was requiring more and more sacrifice. And um, there were people that, that did not um, like where this was all going. Plus the fact that, that uh, they, you know, I'm trying to remember how everything was supposed to go to get... Um, okay, that's a little bit later on, sorry. Um, so basically... There was a group of people who thought that it was too much of a price, too high a price to pay, in order to you know stop all of this. So they actually summoned um, another being, Heidelin, and Heidelin um, used her power to uh, split Zodiac and their planet, basically in, in the process, into multiple pieces, fourteen in fact. And um, so then what ended up happening with the Asians is they wanted to rejoin everything and get their, their home, their original planet back the way it was, as well as bring back all of the lost people that, you know, were used to initially summon Zodiac. And how are they going to go ahead and do that? By with when rejoining everybody using the, the planet or the, the inhabitants of the shards that are being rejoined using them as sacrifices to Zodiac. So we have to kill everybody else in order to bring back the people that we care about. 
Yeah, it basically was what it, it ended up seeming. Does not seem ethical, but I think ethics have kind of flown out the window a long time ago. When here. you've been living as long as um, Emmett Selk, Lahabria, Nabriales, uh, Igeormia, whatever, how they pronounce that one, all the different Asians we've encountered, they I think they started to lose their gourd a little bit. Yeah, I mean, when you've been alive for that long, you know, five minutes feels like nothing, and a decade feels like a blink of an eye. Yeah. So now... They're playing the long game. We were talking earlier, we've been doing a podcast for four years. We're all in completely different phases of life since we started, but try doing that with an Asian. Try to tell them that four years is a long time, and they will just laugh themselves out of the room. That's nothing. Basically. Um, yeah, basically, um, so with all that happening, you know, Highland, you know, came out victorious, split the, the world, and I guess Emmett Selk wanted to bring everything back together. Um, so then we end up getting into, um, we're brought into this dungeon, uh, the Amarat dungeon, where, where Emmett Selk tells us the story, um, of how that all went, transpired. So we, we get a visual representation of of the last moments before um they summoned zodiac i believe it is before they summoned zodiac and it's things like and this was the moment when we when this creature came and tried to stop us and this was the moment mm-hmm. when we all thought we would fail but then we pushed on and this was when we decided that we simply must do it had to happen but you're seeing all this in text but you're also running through fighting mobs fighting bosses but you're seeing all of them run in you have infinite creation magic you use magic to do everything and there's three of you and you're running from this thing and i'm supposed to go fight it with my glowing pink samurai sword like this is a really scary dungeon if you're paying attention to what's going down oh yeah i mean plus there's aoe's going off everywhere and it's it is a very intense dungeon especially the first time through especially when you're you're getting starting to get sleep deprived yeah, um, it is a dungeon that is synced, uh, so if you are under-level, don't worry, we got you. If you're over-level, sadly, it doesn't really do a whole heck of a lot. Uh, so it is a little challenging, but that being said, when looking at it from the mechanic side, it's synced down so that you always feel the same experience. But looking at it from a storyline side, you're hearing this story again. You're not going to be more mentally or physically apt to understand that vision a second or third or 20th time, it's still going to be just as scary every single time. So the sink down actually works thematically with how the narrative was written for here. Yeah, I mean, well, they, they just seem to do that in general because if, look at All Amigo. It's the same type of thing. That, that oh one was God, also level sink. So. exactly the same style. But no, it was a well-done dungeon. I really enjoyed it. Um, so then we, we end up fighting through that and we fight this giant boss that looks kind of like a... Uh, the bo- uh, one of the bosses from 13 the, at the end I kind of thought the same Bar- Barthandalus is that who I'm thinking of I'm thinking so yeah I think that's 13 isn't it I will double check you move on I will um, so we fight that and then it's not over yet um, at that point Emmett Selk is like no you can't you can't um, you know, stop my plan. This is not going to be, I'm not going to let you. And it's at that point, he 
basically goes Super Saiyan on us, and uh, with all of his uh, um, strength, he um, basically turns into a giant uh, version of almost like a, a primal himself. He becomes Hades, and we have to fight Hades with uh, seven other people. This is the last of the uh, trials, basically. It's the final. Which I. I have to say, was this the one where the seven of us needed to be brought? It's it's like us, and then seven others are brought in. Yeah, it was epic. It was really cool because you see that it's like seven more must be called, and you're like, okay, what's going? Like more need to fight, and then it's like, oh, it's a duty finder thing. You hit the duty finder when the cutscene restarts the first time. Those seven summoning circles drop seven other players mm -hmm. and you're like oh shit this isn't a storyline quest i mean it is but like well it is i mean it, it's it's basically the uh, um uh shadowbringers version of the uh, um what's his name fight the the, the dra last dragon fight and uh stormblood uh, that everybody hated uh, oh nidhogg no that's uh um heaven's word oh um uh, Shinryu. Yes, that one. Thank you. It's 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 the Shinryu fight of uh, Shadowbringers. Yep, but we all come in, and regardless of what role you're playing, regardless of where you are, you know, you're thinking, okay, cool. They're summoning everyone. Cool. So Urianje is going to drop in, and so is Thancred, and we're going to do this thing. And then you drop in, and you're like, who is McToasty Face, and why did they have a white mage staff? <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, I'm doing a real fight. Oh, yep. we have to do this now. It's amazing. Yep. And then we we beat him down, and we use that white magicite that we had talked about. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, almost a month ago. I think we we brought yeah, it, it up when we brought it last up. And uh, we use that, and we basically destroy uh, Emmet Selk's uh, soul in the same way we did with Lahabria. And we, yeah, we win. We win. We fight and we win because that is what we. Um, and what's kind of cool is is the, the end bit of that where um, Arbert throws his axe, and uh, that was so insanely and, fun. Um, I was not expecting that. Yeah, um, we Arbert's light infused axe. Uh, appears for us and we use that to mortally wound Hades while basically we use that um, the um, the white magicite to seal his soul away basically destroy him um, and then the, 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 the line remember remember us remember that we once lived was that a callback to the storyline from um, Heaven's Word when, does he say that at the end of their storyline in that? Who? Because I think he does. Uh, Ardbert. I don't remember. I don't remember I don't them. remember either. But like, <laughs> I do remember that they, they once lived. But <laughs> can, we, can we have New Game Plus, please? I literally just want to play the Warriors of Darkness story from, from well, Heavensward again. Because, well, I mean, oh my god, it's all relevant. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the fact that they didn't even know that they were going to be bringing the Warriors of Darkness back into any part of the game until... Uh, randomly generated poster characters. 
they're plot lines now. Yeah, I mean, they're... What? It, it's amazing stuff what they did with that. I, I'm blown away by what this game pulls off every single time. But, yeah, they took char- They literally took randomly generated poster characters. They're like, let's make the Lalafell white mage. Sounds good. She has a name. She's important. She has one of the coolest role quests. What? <laughs> you couldn't tell me six years ago this is where we'd be at, and I would, I would never have believed you. So once uh, Emmett Selk has been uh, taken care of, we, go, we leave the Tempest to find that the skies have returned to normal. Again. And what is normal at this point? We well, have no idea. Well, the skies the, change every couple of days. Yeah, this, the skies are changing. We get dark and, and light again. Um, and the Crystal Exarch is still around, thankfully. Um, you know, the fact that uh, he came from uh, somewhere else, you know, the fact that he's still around is uh, a good thing. It was kind of in question, I guess. Um, but the, the, the fact that. Um, all of our scion friends are still here too means that there's something else that needs to be done in order to get their souls to return back to the source because we can go back and forth but they still can't well see our entire body came it's just their souls only their souls were taken we that's went that's fair yep so that's we, we, they and the only reason that only their souls were taken is because of their their closeness to us and remember um, the fact that the Exarch had really bad aim to start with? <laughs> that was great. So he, he, he tried to hit at us. It's like you know when you go fishing in, in, you know, with, with your hand in water, you reach and you miss because the light refraction. Yep. He ended up grabbing onto them but didn't have a really good grip and only got a little piece of them, got their soul, their body stayed. And they were unwilling participants, whereas we went in fully willing. So I think that's part of the reason why we were, he was able to get a stronger signal, a stronger grip on us. Because we were willing to actually go with. Correct. If you'd only asked, you know, that's, that's why you have to make sure you get consent first. Consent is important <laughs> in and out of game. <laughs> this is the official stance of Tal is Marvelous. Yes. Um, and then, uh, so we go back, then at... You know, we, we let um, we go back to the source and we fill in Tataru as to what happened. She so she knows that all the scions are safe, that we're working on a way to get them to come back. Um, she and we've only been gone for a couple of minutes, yo. Yeah, I mean, we all we kind of had this weird like Narnia esque feeling that was going on, but when we get back to try to tell her, hey we just went on this crazy adventure and she's like, what are you talking about? You were here this morning. What? Yeah. Well, they, they did say time gone a little longer than that. They did say time acted very differently on, um, between the first and the source. So, um, I mean, time acting differently is one thing that differently is telling. Well, I don't. Maybe it, it might have been more than a day, but I don't, it wasn't very long. It was a short enough time that it it took us as a character by shock. Probably about the actual amount of time it spent took for most of us to actually get through the game. You know, so about three days. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you've only been gone for three days. Well, I mean, yeah, that's what my employer thinks. So I guess we're. 
right? Um, and then we, we get that scene back at the um, the uh, in in the um, the uh, the Empire where um, Xenos takes his body back and kills his father and gives us that really yeah, creepy you know, just look. Casually, let's talk about how that was a thing that just sort of happened. Yeah, because it just kind of happened. You know, as as, as Astinian and Gaius were kind of looking on in the, in the shadows. Yep, that was... Because we get to see Astinian and Gaius like doing some stealth ops, and I'm sitting here going, I remember doing things with both of you that are definitely not where we're at right now. It's kind of cool to see them grow, especially Astinian change as a person where he's willing to do something this risky. Yeah. I mean, Astinian was a very selfish bastard for a very long time, but I suppose he's kind of changed quite a bit now and he's realizing that there's a lot more on the line. There's more to life. And even though at one point Gaius was our enemy, he's now, he, he might not be our friend, but he's still the enemy of our enemy. Enemy of enemy is friend at some level. Yeah. Don't trust them, but at some level. Well, we always knew hashtag Gaius was right. I mean, we've been saying that since 2.0. Come on. It's always messed up when you sympathize with a villain. You'd be like, okay, is this what the narrative is telling me to do? Or is this actually how I feel? I don't know. I actually kind of agreed with the guy in a lot of ways. He just had really terrible uh, um, fashion sense. That gold and red armor, please. God damn it. There has to be a better reason <laughs> to dislike that guy. <laughs> well, hey, come on. Glamour is the true endgame. Oh, always. Anyway, so basically we, we see Elidibus back on the moon. And uh, he is basically the last remaining Asian, trying to... Uh, figure out his next move. And basically at that point, we're end scene for the main part of the storyline. Now, do we want, do we want to talk about the last two dungeons then? Really, really kind of high overview today, or do we want to save them for when Sarah's back? Um, we can maybe give a, a high overview on them, I guess. I'm down for that. Cause they, I, one of them is my absolute favorite. And I love the music in the other. So, all right, which one is your favorite? The twinning. That's fair. I will give you that. Where you get to go back into the crystal tower, and they reused a couple of the assets, which was super fun. But you go in, and you starting to see like, oh, what is this robot thing? And then you look, and there's the uh, the Sid Sid's logos on the side of it. The like, oh, we we messed up somewhere. Okay, no, I get it now. no, no. What happened? was th- th- we learn the Crystal Tower came from far in the future. It came like 100 plus years beyond, or no, maybe not quite that far beyond. It might have, actually, because they talk about, um, like, oh, was it um, Biggs or Wedge the Fifth or something like that? Oh, that's right. I remember this now, but yeah, it was very far in the future. So when it does get sent back, it looks a lot different than we expect. Well, yeah, they're, they're, and they're they're messing, they're they're combining a lot of the technologies that they've encountered throughout the game. You see mixtures of um, things with Alexander, 
with um, Omega. You see Allegan stuff. And you see some giant fucking nasty kettles. The Boilermasters thingies. Ah, uh, yes. The, the, the most this? wicked weapon in, in the dungeon. This was the final boss was the Alexander weapons. Yes. With time stop and everything. With a time freeze and also the music. Yes. It was an epic. I mean, okay, so, so the, the first boss is a giant uh, um, mecha behemoth type of thing, a Zagnol. It's, it's basically the behemoths from Final Fantasy XIII. Yep. Really cool mechanics where if, if you uh, hit an a- if any of its AOEs hit these pods on the side, it will release ads. That's really fun to watch somebody the first time. Like, I have the line AOE going where it needs to go, and then you hear glass shatter and you turn, you go, oh, crap. And yep. there's eight of these. Yep. Um, the second boss was what? I'm trying to remember. I honestly have been grinding that dungeon for uh, for tomes, and I just kind of space out because I've been grinding it as a samurai. Yeah, fair enough. But th- then the final boss being the uh, Alexander-like um, uh, machine with the Ironworks logo on it. But it has the music. I think yeah. that's what really set it apart. Like I said, we get a mixture of all the different types of music in there, and it's really cool. Um, and there's little data logs in there that you can read to get more flavor text as to what happened. And that's when we learn that is the, that Grahatia was working with the Ironworks from the future to figure out how they can make all of these uh, technologies work together to send the tower back, uh, not only back in time, but to a specific point on the first. So across time and space. Oh yeah, Chile. That's right. The the fly. It was a flying uh, thing from thirteen as well. It was one of those uh, um, um, uh, weird uh, crystal type bosses that you turn into once you uh, fail your uh, your mission from the the fall sea. Yeah, it was a lassie, a flying lassie. That that's what it was. Thank you, Chile. I know we kept you around for a reason. <laughs> because Chili has a memory and Talos does not. Or he has time to go look it up. That's also true. <clears throat> so that was probably my favorite dungeon. The mixes of music was amazing. But the music from um, the Academy was the best. By far. It had that old time radio crackling sound in it and then it kind of had a little bit of a, a jazz feel to it it felt like i was going through an ivy league college from the 60s see to me it, it had a kind of a, a a late 30s early 40s feel uh, when i toured mit in the early 2000s some of the non-electronics classrooms looked like that it was just big rows of desks that would fit a crap load of students and I was like, oh, these look familiar. Yeah, that's why it's, I think it was called the Academy, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, Academia and Beer. Yeah, and, and then everybody else calls it Rapture or Bioshock the Dungeon. I mean, have you played Bioshock? No. Actually, I haven't. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah. So, 
I get, I, I get the reference. I understand the reference um, because it takes place kind of in that time frame. And people are, were making the jokes. They expect a big daddy to pop out. Ooh. But I, I, so I understand the reference. I just never played the game. Fair, fair. Uh, and that one had, you know, some really cool bosses, too. I mean, they had the street sharks. They're jaws The street shark bosses. Dude, the street shark bosses are actually one of my favorite optional bosses. Because they each have different mechanics based on their color. Mm-hmm. And then you go, okay, cool. So you have different mechanics. But then when they jump out of the water back into the arena, that changes. And if you th- aren't thinking and aren't remembering, you're like, oh, this is a cone, not a line. Oh, this is a circle AOE that isn't marked until right before it's cast. Like You have to remember which one you're fighting yep. and which one is in the water. Not for the actual like you know tank busters and, and whatnot. But to know what's coming and what you're going to need to dodge. Yep. So I mean, it was a very interesting thing because you're fighting on a little uh, island of you know in the in the water. And a it, really tiny one. Yep. A little circular one. And then the next one is. Why can I? Ne- I can never remember the second bosses. How bad is that? My internet is starting to crap its pants, so I'm useless for looking things up. Chili! He's not looking stuff up either. But I can crap. look it up here. Um, Academia. Be sec- dungeon. Doing it real time, folks. We're doing it live. Uh, why does it not... Oh, that just... That's the... We quest. have the street sharks, and then we have um, oh, oh it's the morble. It's that's the uh, giant right. green morbly thing. Uh, fun fact: I actually, if you guys follow me on Twitter at Tiles Marvelous, I retweeted my friend Ruby, uh, who lives in Tokyo and got to go to the cafe. They actually have a dish based on this box. Really? Yes, it's. Amazingly funny. It's, yeah, uh, it's it's an, it's a marble that's kind of a mix of the uh, the demon Kuklin. Yes, it's almost it's, based uh, off of uh, uh, the the Cassie mob in in uh, um, Eureka. Just about, yeah. A little smaller version, Let's maybe. See if I can pull it up here. And then the the final boss is actually um, a summoned version of um, Quetzalcoatl. I felt like his actual fight was remarkably easy, but it was really fun to actually see Quetzalcoatl because I was like, oh, we got Rama in this game. I guess we're not getting the other one. And there we got him. We're, we're seeing a lot of uh, um, the alternate summons slash espers from the Final Fantasy universe in 14. We're not just yep. getting the, the canon with, um, or the pantheon, I should say, with Shiva, Ramu, um, Garuda, Ifrit, Titan. We're also seeing Belias and Famfrit and, um, and we're seeing and everything. Yeah, because there's so many different. If they put every summon in one game, it would just be summons the game featuring characters. Like it would be insane. So they kind of truncate it down to be like, what do we need? And in World of Final Fantasy that we were talking about earlier, uh, Ifrit and Shiva are basically just feuding friends and their boss is Rama and you fight all three of them as a mini story arc 
And you're like, okay, cool, that makes sense. These are the three that are coming together. And then here we go, well, what are the three, first three things you fight? Oh, you fight, you, know, you fight Ifrit, okay, cool. You fight Titan, oh, okay, cool. Then you fight Garuda, and you're like, wait, we do what? And then Rama shows up way later, Quetzalcoatl shows up six years later. So we're getting them in a very different order. Than so we when are we getting Veilfer? I hope never, but I have no idea. Like, we could show up literally at any point. Or Anima. Oh, God. Having Anima come out from the ground. Did that sound as creepy as I wanted it to, or was it kind of sick? It was just awkward, but it was, it was, a, it was creepy. Let's go with it. <sighs> I tried. I really tried. So yeah, then we, we and a uh, couple of really good fights in those. And we also then talked, um, we, we already talked about uh, Eden, so. Yep, Eden. And then pretty soon we're going to be getting the uh, 24 man in about a month and a half. So we're going to be getting, we were talking about Dark Apocalypse Yorha at that point. So that, for the most part, um, concludes our coverage of the uh, main storyline maybe later on we can talk about some of the uh, uh, the role quests because I finished all of those they were amazing I strongly recommend that you go beyond what you're comfortable with in this game um, they made certain uh, pieces easy to access you know it's not all that difficult to be able to progress through the story um, or just use the other pieces in the game to level up other characters and jobs. So I strongly recommend jump out of your comfort zone a little bit. If you're not comfortable playing a tank, try out Gunbreaker. It's not bad. Gunbreaker is actually pretty straightforward and it's fun. It's a very active class to play. It's a really good tank for if you're used to DPSing. Mm -hmm. um, Warrior doesn't have a lot of skills. So if you really like a very simplified stripped down class, Warrior doesn't have a lot of skills. See, I thought Paladin was supposed to be that class. Cause that's what it always no. was before. No, Paladin has so much crap you have to keep track of. Warrior, I have a I have W cross hotbar. I have 32 available slots. I have two repeated skills, run and mark target one. And I have every single skill available on my screen at all times. Hmm. It's very, very short. But that's a lot of that is because your skills, once you get things... I know a lot of classes, uh, White Mage especially, your arrow upgrades to arrow 3, I think it is. Um, and then your stone upgrades to stone 2 and up to stone 3. So you only have to put one thing on your bar, and then you get 2 or 3 or 4 skills out of it. For Warrior, you put two things on your bar and you get six skills out of it. So that's where it shuts down a lot of the excess crud that you have to fill your bar with. It seems like they oversimplified it then, because I remember Warrior being a little bit more involved. Warrior's, Warrior's pretty straightforward. We did lose the ability to self-heal as efficiently as we used to be able to. Until you hit 80. Once you hit 80, yeah. But the other catch is, is our self-heal. You have to have another party member for it to work. Okay, because yeah, it's right. You have to. It's the nascent glint thing or nascent yep. uh, whatever. Yep. Nascent glint, nascent glare. You have to hit yourself and one other party member. If you don't have a second party member, you cannot heal yourself. Where before, I could just solo bosses by myself because I was healing myself with fell cleaves. And yeah, because you had bloodbath up. What's or a bloodbath? 
we lost bloodbath well, in 3.0 dude oh, was that when it was so there was yeah. there was another skill that, that gave you that ability though yep i don't remember inner what beast. it was called so inner beast you could fire inner beast what about, what about beast mr beast mr beast no it was called inner beast and then when you hit it would heal you and then it would stay up for like eight seconds or something so everything else so, you did would also heal you so you did fuck leave fuck leave fuck leave and you're all, all yep. healed up it was because it would stay up so you would hit it switch stances and then blast through it and now because of the nature of how they switched uh losing dps stances we ended up having to switch how warriors work but yeah. if you want to try a tank Warrior Gunbreaker are going to be your easiest entry points by a month. Yeah, Dark Knight, I've, from what I understand, has still got a little bit of a uh, learning curve to it. People are liking it, though. I'm, I've it never does, got into Dark Knight, though. The changes to Dark Knight have made it extremely viable. So for if you, anybody is wanting to do you know, best in role, I don't know if Dark Knight is truly that, but it's definitely looking like it. I'm seeing a lot of. Okay. I mean, in, maybe in a later episode, we can talk a little bit more about job adjustments and changes. Once we get some finalized numbers and, and finalized changes for the beginning of Shadowbringers, we can maybe do some more direct comparisons to their counterparts from from Stormblood and, and, and past. So. Um, I don't yeah. want to dig too deep into it right now. Like I said, because I'm the only one I'm really comfortable talking about is Bard, because that's the only yeah. one I, I actually have a, a good, strong working knowledge of. I'm not gonna lie, I leveled up the other three using just basically main scenario and alliance roulettes. Main scenario, alliance roulettes, and between sixty and seventy, the Ananta. Like there's a couple of other there's a lot of options for leveling that does not involve you doing stuff. Nick Nar says uh, I love the early AOE attacks on Paladin and Dark. Nick Nar, everybody gets those. Yes, including Gunbreaker. Gunbreaker's and AOEs everybody are amazing. The Warrior one is insane because if you have your uh, your stance on, it actually charges your gauge by twenty. So you can not only just do AOEs to hit everything. But you're also still charging your gauge, so you can use your crazy powerful attacks. Uh, Chili says Monk is probably getting nerfed. How? It's already a hot mess, and you lost your off-global cooldowns. I have seen a few more Monks in the last like week or two than I have in the previous few weeks. Uh, so we're seeing a few more Monks. People are kind of starting to see the changes. I'm not seeing them in raid progression. I am seeing them in casual endgame. Monk is now top DPS. That does not surprise me. Uh, yeah, Nicknar Overpower was always OP. Yeah, now that we have Overpower 2, Electric Boogaloo, and it's amazing. Woohoo! All right. Is there anything else that you want to talk about then, Talas? No, I think we are good. Um, we have had an awesome time playing through and talking with uh, talking Shadowbringers with you guys over the last three episodes. We've got a whole bunch more content coming. Uh, Sarah will be back. We've got more lore. We've got more recipes. Uh, Are you trying to take over my job right now? No, I'm talking about all the cool stuff that we're doing. Yeah, that's generally my job, man. Okay, fine. <laughs> Slash pass leader to Klaus Knight. <laughs> hey, I'm go. running the show, man. Oh, fuck, just do it, dude. <laughs> There's only no. two of us. I don't know what my role is. I'm used to being the third person. 
No, you're you're doing fine. I'm just giving you shit. Please continue. I I appreciate you, your all of your contributions that you've made to the show. Don't get me wrong. Please continue. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot it of helps st- me stay humble. There's a lot of stuff coming up in the pipe, guys. But if there's something special that you want to hear, um, make sure to contact us, podcast.com. Reach out to us on Twitter, at PHXDNRadio. Hit us up on our Discord channel. We, we, we put that there so you guys, not only so we can do the podcast there, but so we can uh, you know, talk with all of you guys. Um, so I posted that in the, in the chat as well. So stop by, use those resources. Let us know what the things that you want to hear about um, so we can, you know, create this wonderful content that you guys can continue to come back for and we can just continue to make it better and better, continue to grow our community. Is that kind of what you were trying to say? Yeah, that sounds good. We good, man. All right. So that's <laughs> that's going to do it for this episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, spotify now um or whatever your preferred podcatcher is um or you can check us out um here at twitch or on youtube as well youtube.com slash phoenix radio um and if possible leave us a rating or review comment um anything any kind of feedback it'd be greatly appreciated um it helps us to grow the community helps people to learn about us and it helps to push our show up in the rankings so people more people see us you know, all of those analytics, that they, they do mean something. So help us out, guys. And if, if you can't leave a rating or review, tell a friend. You know, share the love of Phoenix Dawn Radio with, with a coworker, somebody else you think might enjoy hearing a, a few really crazy guys talking about this game that we so love. If you really dig this show, consider subscribing here at Twitch. Um, and uh, Or you can uh, join us out on Patreon, like our dear friend Aurora Fenrir out at patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio. Any of the proceeds from that goes to help grow the show, helps cover um, hosting costs, allows us to do some giveaways. We may have some giveaways next week for our anniversary. So it helps us do that kind of fun stuff. But any type of support you give us, whether it's likes, retweets, reviews, subscriptions, any of that, we love it all, and we thank you so much for being a part of our family. Because we do consider you guys all family. In the cool way, don't worry. Yeah, you're, we're we're family in the Fast and Furious way. Yeah, the good family, not the dysfunctional family. Though we do put the fun back into dysfunctional. Sarah, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, it's been the thing I've been running to for part of the night. <sighs> All right. If you want to catch up on some of our uh, backlog of uh, episodes, you can go to our website, phoenixstarradio.com. Again, if you want to email us, um, shoot us a message at podcast at phoenixradio.com. Our Twitter is at phxdnradio. Um, and like I said, jo- we invite you to join us live every other Saturday night for the podcast at twitch.tv phoenixdownradio. You can also follow us there. And anytime we go live with any regular streams, you'll be notified of that too. So Because I do stream the game quite frequently. Um, yeah. So, Talas, you have any shout-outs, sir? I do. So I have the shout outs to four people from my free company, uh, Sin, Dex, Neri, and Harley. Uh, Neri just moved across the country, across the U.S. to be with his girlfriend, uh, Harley. They are planning a ceremony of eternal bonding uh, in real life soon. So that'll be fun. But the four of them were nearby and we all five went and hung out. We went to Purikara and took silly pictures and just had a blast. So shout out to those guys for 
being cool people in and out of game and being awesome to hang out with. Uh, shout outs to Sarah, who is creating a fun responsibility balance uh, and is doing stuff with his new job today. Uh, we look forward to having you back in two weeks, my dude. Uh, also, shout outs to uh, Mary uh, Matsuri on the Crystal or on the yeah on the Crystal Data Center. She hosts really bizarre themed raids once a month. Uh, usually they are glam oriented. There's lots of pictures taken. They're usually fun. We did a 24 man uh, Astrologian Crystal Tower raid. Uh, come in, join Mary Stray Cats. It's a good time. We do a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> And where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Tiles Marvelous. I post a lot of pictures of food, my car, and hot takes about anime bullshit. Very nice. I want to throw a shout out to you for being here this week and uh, putting up with my bullshit. Thank you so much, as always. <laughs> I'm always happy to be here, man. Uh, shout out to Sarah. You better get your ass back here in two weeks or you're in trouble, mister. <laughs> Hope you're having a wonderful time with coworkers. Um... Shout out to uh, Gamer Escape and Etherite Radio. Congratulations on 10 years of podcasting. I hope we can get to that point too sometime and hope you guys are still around and this game is still kicking and going strong. Thank you again for having me on your show this week. I really had a great time. Shout out to everybody listening live here at Twitch. Um, you guys are the reason we do this. Uh, as well as just a shout out to everybody listening to us out on the podcast. Again, if you can, please leave us a rating or review. And Chili mentioned something about a review that we got out on iTunes. The reviewer will remain nameless, but just because Chili mentioned it, I will read it because he thought it was hilarious. They gave us a four-star review. Uh, great show, great energy, but the episodes without Chili are such a breath of fresh air. He has, a <laughs> he has the demeanor of a maladjusted toddler, and I cringe every time he shrieks into his low-quality microphone. I hope he moves on to other projects. There you go, Chili. That was for you, buddy. Oh, look. The name is... Uh, there's no name. It's just three letters. It's uh, B-S-H. Weird. I wonder how that came about. That seems like random. <laughs> Everybody in the know knows, what, knows that. Everybody that doesn't, don't worry about it. All right. And uh, you can find me out on uh, Twitter at PHX... DN underscore K L A U S S. Uh, th again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for my co host, Tal is Marvelous. I am Klaus Nightbringer, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you again for joining us. Take care. Phoenix Down Radio is a production of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy 14 and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In game content for Phoenix Down Radio is a copyright of Square Enix. Open to music for Phoenix Down Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash Guilty Gear Rocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by GuitarWanker90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash GuitarWanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.